Thank you for joining us today at Christian Worship Center. We pray that the word given would be able to bless you and all those who hear it. To discover more about our church, visit our website at cwcirvinky.com. Thank you again for joining us. Now prepare your heart for today's message. I want to continue today teaching uh, and kind of, I, I want to kind of, what's the word I want to use? I want to take it just a little bit further. We have been teaching on Christ our healer. We've been teaching about that we believe from what we find in the scripture that we have promises for the healing of our body as clearly as we do for the south for the forgiveness of our sins that God has provided that God through his son and through the same sacrifice has has provided us a way to have our bodies healed in the same fashion he has provided a way for us to get forgiveness of sins and i want to spin off of that a little bit and kind of bring this to a close with a message called it's already done can everybody say that with me say this it's already done and i want to talk about that today and i want to do that i want to go back to probably in connection to healing the most powerful verse that we find in all the scripture and it's found in Isaiah 53 and if you could go back there if we can get it up on the screen that'd be great Isaiah 53 and once again it's great to have everybody here and hope you can if you especially if you've got children do your best uh, to help to not only to help us and to be a part of our Easter egg hunt, uh, 5:30 Wednesday night at the church property. Isaiah 53, and I want us to look back at verse four and verse five. And the scriptures, Isaiah 53, verse four: Surely he hath borne. I don't want to bring you back at that word "born." In the Hebrew is the word nasa, and it means to carry something away out of the camp once and for all. It is the same word that was used in connection to the Old Testament concept of the scapegoat. The scapegoat was a Jewish. It was a Jewish custom tradition. Uh, it was. It was. It was a type and a shadow given to them by God Himself. That literally the sins of Israel would be placed symbolically on the head of the goat, and then he would be loosed to go outside of the camp. And that 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 that's where we get that phrase in society, scapegoat. And it comes from that Jewish tradition and that Jewish custom. The goat would go carrying the sins of Israel off. And 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 Jesus Christ himself would go bearing the sin, but not just that. He would bear the sickness and disease. He would carry it outside the camp. And Paul would tell us that he would be crucified, not in the camp, Brother, Brother Dan, but outside the city walls of Jerusalem. He would go outside the camp and he would bear the sin. But not only that, not only that, look what else this says. It says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now, to be honest with you, these are not the best renditions of meaning of these words. 
This word grief in the Hebrew is the word coli. And the word coli is where we get the, concept, the, the, the term disease. So literally, this verse is telling us that he would carry our, not only our sins, we know that, that's so well documented in scripture, but it says in the same, same sense that he would also carry our coli, our, our diseases, and it says, and carry, and this word carried is another word, another Hebrew word, sabal, which literally means the same thing as the first one we talked about, the word nasa. It means to carry away, to take away, to bear, to bear something away. That he would carry our sorrows. Everybody say sorrows. I hate to have to break it to you, but that word is not, has not been translated the best. This word sorrows is the Hebrew word, Michael, macab. It is the Hebrew word macab, and here's what it's, Caleb, it is the word, it, its best definition is pain, that he carried our pain. Now listen to this, let's say that we use these words. Surely he hath borne our diseases and carried, carried our pains. Yet we, did, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded. Now here it is. He, he was wounded for our transgressions. That's sin. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's in, inward. Inward sin. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And listen to this. And by his stripes we are healed. Now it's very interesting through listening uh, uh, Brother uh, uh, Pastor Joseph Prince all this week has been teaching the last couple of weeks on the concept of healing. And I've had the wonderful, if any of you, I want to highly recommend to everybody that if you've got a DVR or you, or you can find a time when he is on, I, I, you know, why do you do that, preacher? Because I'm not in it for me. I'm in it to see you guys get stronger as Christians. And when I find somebody, that I, I will highly recommend people to my congregation to listen to. And Joseph Prince is a man of God I highly recommend that you guys listen to. I highly recommend it. And uh, uh, to be honest, I've heard him take some knocks in the Christian world. I've, I've heard people knock him. But I have listened to him time and time again, and I've never found him go outside the Scripture. And I, I think people knock him because they can't get over their traditions, and they can't get over their customs, and they can't get over, you know, uh, religious, some of the religious thoughts sometimes that doesn't quite hit head on with scripture. But I, but I, I would really recommend that you guys listen to him and listen to what he, te what he the, the teaching. I wish you could go back, maybe go back on the website and listen to, maybe, I don't know, maybe I haven't done it myself. Possibly you can go back and listen to some of the messages because it's extremely powerful. But I want you to notice, I want us to hammer in on something today. I want you to notice what it says here. It says that he was wounded, he was bruised, chastised by our peace, and by his stripes we are. Everybody say are. Now I want you to notice something. Uh, the, the prophets, the prophets prophesy, and they prophesy from, 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 from mental 
pictures and images that God puts down on the inside of them. And they will speak that out. God would download the future into Isaiah, would he not? He will download future events into the great prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Daniel, and many of the other prophets of, of old. He would download information of the future. And Isaiah would sit, and God would give him an incredible download of what the Son of God would do on the cross. And what he would do, not just on the cross, but through the whole redemptive work of that time. You see, what does that mean about stripes? What does that mean? Well, let me help you out. The Bible says, by his stripes. You see, before he went to the cross, he had to go through this, this Roman custom of scourging. He was taken to a whipping post. He was tied. I'm not going to get into incredible detail because it's not the main focus of my message. But I want you, we talked about this last week as our legal basis for healing, to go to God for healing. Our legal basis to go to God. You see, when I go to God, I need to go with confidence. And I need to be able to take a scriptural, what I call a, a, a scripturally legal basis to go to God for something. And I want you to understand, it wasn't just words that bought your healing. We access, and we're going to find that we access our healing through words. But words did not buy your healing. Let me tell you what purchased your healing. Jesus, Jesus would bear his back to what was called the Roman cat of nine tails that would literally shred his back till his whole back was nothing but like hamburger. Now one of the things, one of the neat things that Joseph Prince brought out in his teachings this week, you notice it says that by his stripes, everybody say stripes. It's not exactly right. Actually, there's a, there is a plural and a singular term for this. And right there, the plural term, the Hebrew plural term for this is not used. It's singular. What that meant, actually, the reading is this, that by his stripe. What's that? What, what, what do you mean by that? When you looked at his back, a lot of the times by the movies, some of the movies, Mike, we see, we see multiple stripes, and we'll turn and see his back, and there'll be red streaks down his back. That is absolutely not what happened. His back was literally one gigantic stripe. One, it was literally laid bare. Literally like hamburger. It was not as neat as sometimes it is presented. It was gruesome. This is why, this is why he would, he would continually fall with the cross. But I want you to think about your back being made, being so, being so destroyed and so riven that literally it's like, and I know, I know this is, this is gruesome. But you've got to know, you've got to know what God did for you. And you've got to know why we can stand with confidence and believe God for something. Amen? He said, why did you come here? This is, this is Palm Sunday. You're supposed to be talking about pretty things, Easter flowers. But there wasn't any. The focus of this whole event was not flowers. We celebrate it with the beautiful Easter lily, which rep represents, of course, the resurrection. But let me tell you something. The, the, the process of the cross was not beautiful. Yes, it would culminate in the beautiful beautiful realities of resurrection morning but what Jesus went through words couldn't even describe so that you and me can be forgiven set free and whole 
Amen? That's what he went through. And, and literally the word there is by his stripe. By his stripe. His back totally destroyed. Totally ripped through. I don't know if any of y'all saw the great movie The Passion by Mel Gibson. But it gave one of the, one of the probably not a perfect rendition, but about as close as has been put on screen. And I'll never forget the, that after he'd, been, after he'd received so many lashes and it looked like, Mike, he was done. It looked like he would crumble over the whipping post. That all of a sudden, the, the, and, and, the, and, the, and the Roman soldiers just kind of paused a minute and they were going to see how he was going to react. They thought, he's broken. He's going to lay down. He's done. But all of a sudden, it's my, one of my favorite moments in this movie. All of a sudden, he began to raise up Straighten his legs, and I think by his body, by what well, he didn't say, there were no words, but by body language, keep on firing, boys, because the job's not done yet. And I, you know what? I sat right there, then and there, and something began to move in me to tell me, you know what? I don't care. You know, there's a lot of different views on this. People take different viewpoints. But I'm going to say, if you would be willing to do that for me, I can surely stand with a microphone in hand or stand in front of somebody and declare to them the wonderful truths of what the Bible says about what that stripe won for me and what it purchased for me. Amen? Hallelujah. See, here's the thing. The church doesn't get all excited about it. Because I've been preaching this for two weeks. And, you know, I could jump up and preach something else and not have people. People don't get all excited about it. And I'm going to tell you why. Because oftentimes we haven't pressed through to receive it like we can. And we haven't been developed in it. In our teaching in the church. So this is something we'll get over it, preacher, and get back to something I can shout about. Get back to something. But I, you know what I say is this. You know what I say? You know, if you are going to believe that a man dying on a cross 2,000 years ago somehow saved you, set you free, changed your life, and, and listen, if you're even going to believe that there's a hell and a heaven, if you're going to believe all that, What are you talking about, preacher? Are you in the right place? Well, hear me out. If you're going to believe all that stuff and believe that he took nails in his hands, his side pierced, crown of thorns on his head, that your sins might be forgiven, well, why can't you just go on and believe, just like the same Bible says, that his back was riven and destroyed, that your body might be made whole? Huh? Now, I want you to notice something here. It says, we got the picture in Isaiah. Isaiah looking toward the cross and seeing, and he says, by his stripes we are healed. Everybody say are. He's seeing this. He is looking, everybody say looking into the future. Okay, now I want to show you something interesting. Now, go to 2 Peter. Go, no, excuse me, go to 1 Peter. Go to 1 Peter, chapter 2. 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 24. 
who when he was reviled did not revile in return i'm reading 23 as context when he suffered when he suffered he did not threaten but committed himself to him who judged righteously who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree everybody say sins <laughs> you took care of sins didn't it says he bore our sins he's already done does everybody believe have, does anybody in here does anybody raise your hand and tell me you believe i'm already I'm, I'm saved my sins have been forgiven does anybody believe that in this room okay well let's look at the rest of the scripture whom when he reviled did that's in verse 24 who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we being that we having died to sins might live for righteousness so what's that mean as christ died we 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 are to die we are to we are to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to god through his grace but look what else it says that we might live for righteousness now it'd be good if that verse stopped there but it doesn't and look what it says. By whose stripes you, now what's the word? Were healed. Now what does were suggest? It's already done. It's already done. So Isaiah was looking on the front side of the cross. He was looking at God's work in the future as a prophet. Peter would reflect back on the work, and he would say, it was done. So what are you getting at? What I'm trying to get at is this. I don't have to work God up for the healing of my body. It's actually already been done. It's already done. I just have to learn how to access it. Now, I've said all that. I showed this very, he, Isaiah said are, Peter said were. What's that mean? Something had to occur between Isaiah and Peter. And that was his back being whipped that you might be healed. It's a done deal. Everybody say done deal. It's the transaction's been made. Now, let me explain something to you. We have to realize that, listen, guys, we don't work for and we don't work up God's grace and God's blessings. We do not work for them. We have to learn how to access them. Can I say that again? You don't work. Here's what Paul said. Paul said this, I labored more abundantly than them all in God's grace. But he never said to labor for God's grace. God's grace is an inheritance for us and his promises. I want you to look real quickly. Set, uh, go to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 4. Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 4. Everybody say, already done. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ 
by grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now listen, that in the ages to come, he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. For by grace... You have been saved. Now listen, very key word. Everybody say through. Through faith. That it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. I don't do anything to earn it. And frankly, I can't work it up. I just access it. Because what did it say? By grace, through what? Everybody say, by what? By grace, through what? By what? Through what? Okay, now get this picture. I'm going to give you a picture. I'm going to give you a mental picture of how these things work. Now look, go on to verse 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Anyone should boast, my version says. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So wait a minute. It says we're going to work. You're going to work because you're God's work. You're going to do good works because you're first God's work. By faith, you access God's work, and because you learn to access God's work, you will do great works through that. Does that make sense? But you don't work God's work. God works His work. And God's work works in you, and it produces the good works of God's grace working in you. But so many times and in so many churches, even today, we still teach the concept of of doing our works and pleasing God. And doing our work and pleasing God. But this never works. This never works. It never works out. Because you're never going to please God. You know why? Because Jesus already pleased him. And the only way you're going to please him is by getting in him. And the only way you're going to please him is by the understanding that I am his work. I am the sum. I am, I am in his work. And through his work, I'll do my work. And I will, I will experience the merits of his work. You see, here's the thing. Oftentimes in the church, we have been led to believe. We have been taught a works mentality, Mike. And here's what we always do. When you, when, you, when you fall into the paradigm, what's that mean? A paradigm is a way of thinking. Paradigm. See, I t- if you came to this church, every now I'll teach you these big $5 words. Okay? And you can go look smart to your buddies. You can go, you can go to a party and look real smart. You can throw that word out. They're like, wow, he's a smart guy. Wow, you can go to work and throw that word out. I actually one time, I, the first time I ever heard that word, I, I sat through a three-hour college lecture, Mike, and I was wondering, what the heck is a paradigm? The whole time, really, 20 year, 20, 25 years ago. <laughs> I just sit there and act like I knew what it was. But later I found out a paradigm, that's a big term to, to describe the way people think about things. In Kentucky, we got a basketball paradigm in Kentucky. We think basketball kind of rules a lot of people around here. It's very important. It kind of affects my paradigm, too, I admit. I'll go and admit. 
but oftentimes at the church, we have had the mentality, we have had a works paradigm. What's that mean? Well, I'm going to do all I can do to work for God. Maybe one day he'll think I'm good. But I say it's the wrong paradigm according to Scripture. The paradigm we just read about is this. I am his work by faith, by faith that I'm going to, I'm going to receive his grace through faith. It's by what? By what? By grace through what? Through faith that we receive. Now, here's the thing. When you come from a works paradigm, you're always going to be a debtor. You're never going to be able to do good enough. You're always going to have people tell you stuff like this. Well, you know, you better make sure you've confessed every last sin before you lay your head down tonight. Because the Bible says no sin will enter heaven. It won't. But when you come from this paradigm, you realize he has forgiven me once and for all. Of everything. See, the Bible says, Blessed is the man to whom he will not even lay anything to my charge. I have been forgiven once and for all, totally, completely forgiven. I stand as a forgiven, complete man in him. Now, what? Everybody says, Well, that gives me a license. No, it doesn't give you a license to sin because sin destroys, it, it is destructive. And it destroys relationships and families and homes and jobs and everything else. It destroys what it touches. But what it does, this reality, that no, he's forgiven me once of all, it frees me up to live with confidence and to go live with joy and go live in completeness knowing I am not working for his love, but I am the sum total of the work of his love. Amen? Is anybody with me? So what this does... It produces, then when I get in the real message of the word, I don't have a debtor mentality. I get an inheritor's mentality. Everybody say inheritor. You see, here's the thing. We looked at healing. Healing isn't something we worked up. We showed by the scripture it was already what? Already what? It's already here. It's already been done. Right? You see, here's the thing. When you work for a paycheck, the money you're going to receive, is it's hinging on the work you're going to do, right? Everybody with me? But listen, when you, everybody say inheritance. Let me ask you something. When you get an inheritance, is it some kind of money that, that the work you're getting ready to do depends upon? Yes or no? No, it's not. Well, what, how does this have anything to do with inheritance? Well, let's look and see. I want you to look at, let's go real quickly to 1 Peter verse 1. I want to look at two places. Everybody say inheritance. 1 Peter verse 1. Then, then 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 and 4. I want to look at two places. I want to tie it together and we'll be out of here by about 11. Y'all going to get an early start on the restaurants today. Somebody say Amen. <laughs> You're going to go out of here with something. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. That Listen, we've got, look at verse 4 again. To it, we've been called. It's a living hope and it's an inheritance incorruptible undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved. Everybody say reserved. Reserved in heaven for you. Isn't that the perfect word to go with the concept of inheritance? Because what, does, what do parents do or grandparents do or anybody for that? They lay up, they, they put in reserve money, lands, sometimes jewelry, different things. They lay up in a place, in a place of reserve, they lay up things for their children or their grandchildren, sometimes great-grandchildren. The Bible says it's a righteous thing to leave your children's children an inheritance. Inheritance is a strong Bible concept, okay? It is put in reserve. So listen, the issue is if you're going to tap into an inheritance, I don't sit and think, well, now how am I going to work for this inheritance? What all can I do? How many hours can I put in? What all can I do for this inheritance? Is that how we think? Guys, listen, if you receive an earthly inheritance, is that what you think? Somebody help me. You'll help me go quicker if y'all respond to me. It helps me move quicker. No, y'all are awake. That's how it works. So you don't think that, do you? What's your mindset? Well, usually when there is any kind of sizable inheritance involved, you have to get a man or a woman called a lawyer involved. Lawyers get involved. Okay? And what they do they read the terms of the will and they give you the plan to not work for the inheritance but access so you can receive. Everybody say access. Everybody say access. Okay? So the Bible says we've got an inheritance. Now let's look. Everybody think, everybody think on this word just a minute. Let's go very quickly to Romans 5. Go to Romans 5 verse 1. Romans 5 Verse 1. Romans 5, verse 1. Everybody say, I, as a believer, am an inheritor. I have an inheritance. Okay, well, let's look at this. Paul says this a little bit differently. Verse 1. Therefore, having been justified, huh, being just, what's that mean? It's already what? Done. Therefore, having been justified by what? There's that word again, by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, listen, through whom also we have access. Stop. What do we have access to? We've already learned it's not there in that scripture, but we already know. What do we have access to? An inheritance. Incorruptible, undefiled, fades not away. What's that mean? My body isn't feeling well. Let me tell you something. My body right now has got some symptoms in it. My body don't feel exactly healed right now. 
but I'm not going to let how my body feels dictate the way I believe. I'm not going to let how my mind feels right now dictate how I'm not going to let anything. Here's what we got to do as believers. We got to fight. Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. We've got to fight this fight to let our beliefs, to let what we believe and what we stand on be nothing more nor nothing less than what God's word says. Amen? Amen. Look what it says. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God, through whom we through verse 2, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Everybody say access. Let me say this. Listen, listen, listen. Access. You're coming to God for access. And here's what some people do. Some people bring their good deeds. Some people bring all the things they've done. They stand before God and they want access to something. Well, guess what God's response is? It's this. Access denied. Some people come over here and they bring a pity party. Some, oh, woe is me. Oh, God. And they lay out a litany of things all going wrong in their life. They lay it out before God. And I'm not saying that, 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 that that's a terrible thing to do it, but you're not going. Listen, if all you do is do that and it goes no further, here's the response. Access denied. Because there is a legal way to access what God has in store for you. And that is faith and through his word. Everybody say word. We've got to become word-centered. Now, go with me real quickly. I want to show you something. Go, and listen, you can even bring your need. You can come, and all you do is bring your need before God. Look, I need this. And if all you do is bring a need and nothing else, the response of God is what? Access denied. Because he said this, you will access what I have for you through faith. So here's, here's what's your next logical question? Well, how does faith work? How am I going to work faith? Okay. I'm going to show you before we leave. How are you going to work it? All right. Go with me what I say. I want you to go look at Acts 20. Acts 20. Acts 20, verse 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to God. Now listen to this. This is Paul speaking to his brothers at Ephesus. He's exhorting the Ephesian, the Ephesian elders. He's getting ready to depart from them. And he says this. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word, everybody say word, of his grace. Now look, what's he mean there? Everybody say word of his grace. Because God, listen, God ties the release of the merits of his grace to his word. Now look what his word can do. And to the word of his grace which is able to build you up 
and to give you an inheritance among all those that are sanctified. Is that up there? Which is able to do what? To, to do what? Build you what? Build you up. And to what? Give you an inheritance. There it is again. Concept of inheritance. So how does this word work? Everybody say, let's tie some things together. What do we have? We, we're not out there working for God's love because we've been given in our what? In our inheritance, God has totally decided to love us forever. Right? Right? And we've learned that an inheritance doesn't require work to get it. It requires learning a method and a way to transact from it to learn a process of access. Correct? And the Bible gives us one legal method of, uh, of accessing God's goodness and grace, and that's faith. How does faith work? We just saw right here, faith depends upon God's word. You got with me? That's why Peter, Paul would tell them in Acts, I commend you now to the word of his grace because it's able to build you up and to give you an inheritance. Now, wait a minute. What does, that, what does that suggest right there? If there is inheritance stored up for me and it's in place, has it been given to me, given to me yet? But have I taken possession of it yet? It's reserved, right? It's in reserve, right? It has not been given to me yet, has it? I can't, I can't touch it yet. I can't spend it. I can't put it on my arm. I can't hang it around my neck, right? But here's the thing. Here's what he says. Let's, let's go back and listen to this again. The word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance. So somehow, in order to access this inheritance, God's word has to be involved. Amen? Because Paul just said, this word is able to deliver this inheritance to you. How? Through faith. How does faith work? I'm getting ready to show you. And then I'm done. Listen, has this sermon, I get, you know, I might raise my voice. Has, have I presented anything to you based on emotion right now? Or has it honestly asked, asked have I just been walking through reasoning of Scripture? Just the Word, right? Right? Because listen, I can expect you to get up here and walk here and not accept what I say. If all I've done is ran, jumped on chairs, spit and fumed and and worked up your emotions with my gymnastics. I don't feel like gymnastics today. I'm just going to be honest with you. Then, but all I've done is I've just laid out scripture. And, and, and just, here's what it says. How are we going to get this? We already saw your, your, your sad, your, our sad mentality is not going to get anything from God. Our woe is me attitude is not going to get anything from God. Look at Romans 10. We're, this is it right here. We're done today. Romans 10, starting with verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who what? Who works? Everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. What's he saying? If you're going to accept righteousness from the law, you've got to do every single one of them. You can't screw up. If you do, 
you better go have you uh you better go have you some farm animals and you better be ready for some gruesome acts because you're going to have to do them you're going to have to make some sacrifices it ain't going to be pretty you better get you a good old old corral of goats have you some big old cows some bullocks you know because you're getting ready to have to do a lot of sacrificing if you're going to go by the righteousness of the law now, I'm not going to go by that. Look at verse 6. But the righteousness of faith, what does it do? Look at the next word. Somebody say that next word. Speaks. speaks. Wow. It speaks. Does that say works? Does that say anything about good deeds? It says it speaks. For, but the righteousness of faith speaks. Now, look. Look what it says next. In this way. And see, I'm, one of these days I'm going to, turn, I'm going to go back and reteach all, all that's in my heart about the words of your mouth. And some people look at me like I'm a fool. Some people, uh, they, and they've been in church all their lives. And they think this is ridiculous. But look what the Bible says and see if it's ridiculous. But see, people who say that, they don't spend time in the Word. They don't. They don't. It's spiritual immaturity. They spend time in their feelings. They spend time on what their body feels like. And they're constantly concerned about it. But God give me some people that stand on their word. Stand on God's word. Give me some people that will do that. This is what it says. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that's hell, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, it's in your mouth, and where? In your heart. That is the word of what? The word of what? Faith. What is the word of faith? It's this book. It's this book. It's the words of this book. You see, when anybody tries to ingrain in you truths that are not in this book, it's not a truth. It's a lie. When it comes to spiritual matters, I'm not talking about one plus one equals two, and I'm not talking about the laws of aerodynamics here, or I'm talking about the laws of thermodynamics or whatever. All that's, I'm talking about the spiritual laws of the universe are here. They're in this book. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For Listen, this is how it works. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And listen to this. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him, will not be put to shame for whoever believes on him shall not be put to shame wow wow what if I just believe God wow whoever believes Whoever believes shall not be put to 
shame. Whoever believes shall not be put to shame. Listen, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what that word saved in the New Testament? Y'all realize it is a Greek word, the word sozo. Everybody say sozo. Because so many times, Mike, our paradigm in the church is this. Saved means I'm not going to go to hell. And that's it. That's our definition. That's our parameters. That's what we set. I'm going to escape hell. That's great. I'm glad I'm escaping hell. I don't want to go there. But you realize that word means so much more? The word sozo means physical wholeness, peace, prosperity, wellness of body. That's what the word means. It means total and complete deliverance. Sozo. How do we get? How do we get to that type of salvation? Well, it's through grace. And it comes through faith. How are we going to work faith? Faith works in two places. Faith works. Faith is in your heart. What do you mean it's in your heart? Get this. Here's what David, the great psalmist, the great sweet singer of Israel said. He said, he said I have hid thy word in my heart, in my heart, that I might not sin against you. I have hid thy word in my heart. What do we hide in our heart? What's, what's got to be done? God's word has to be deposited down on the inside of our heart. Little Mary got pregnant, but no man was around. How did she get, how did she get pregnant? Well, it was a totally different process. No, it wasn't. It was the exact same process in a sense. In a, listen, in a spiritual sense, not in a physical sense. For pregnancy to take place in a physical sense, a sperm has to be deposited inside a female womb. Is that wrong or right? Somebody help me. That's right. The same process takes place spiritually in the body of Christ. His word gets deposited. See, here's what Mary said. Mary asked, Lord, How, how's this going to be seen? I don't know a man. God told her. He said, the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. And you know what Mary responded? She says, be it unto me according to thy word. <laughs> See, she released the word that God put down in her heart. She was releasing out of her mouth. Let me show you one more place before we quit. See, we talk. So you got to see all these blessings God has are laid in reserve for you, Right? Your good deeds will not purchase them. All your, your messes you get yourself into in this life will not, will not them alone will not purchase you or access to, to you all the blessings. Your pity parties will not access the blessings. You got to come to God and you got to come. The Bible says we will gain access into this grace through Faith. How does faith work? Faith works in two places. It is the word of God down in your heart and the word of God released out of your mouth. 
that will access. And you've got to listen. You know what? Anybody remember that story in the Bible about the little lady that pressed through the crowd and touched the hem of Jesus' garment? Anybody remember that story? Maybe even from Bible school. Anybody remember that? Maybe Sunday school. You know what the scripture says in the actual version? It says, in a lot of the versions, it said that she said that if I touch him, I'll be made whole. But you know what? In the Greek, you know what it actually says? It says, she said and kept on saying, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I will be whole. She, she pressed through the crowd, Linda, and she touched it, and she was made whole. But you know what fueled her pressing through? What she said, and she kept on saying, I'm going to be whole if I can just touch him. So here's what I'm going to say. You're going to get the blessings of God. You've got to say his word and keep on saying it. Everybody say, say and keep on saying. Let's go to one more place before we pray. We're going to get out of here. I want you to throw up there on the screen real quick. Last one, 2 Corinthians 4.13. Everybody say, everybody say, Spirit of faith. Spirit of faith. How does that work? Okay, let's look at it. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written. How does faith work? Here it is again. What is the spirit of faith? You know that word spirit literally means current. What is the current of faith? How does faith flow? You like that? What is current? It's a flow. How does faith flow? Here's how it flows. I believed, and therefore I have spoken. We also believe, and therefore we speak. This is why Jesus told the apostles, I spoke to a tree, you will speak to a mountain. I spoke to a tree, you will speak to a mountain. I did some work on this, work, on this earth, but you can do greater works on this earth. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Wow. What do you got to do? Can you get it down? I'm going to summarize just like this. How are you going to overcome in this life? How are you going to access all that God's? You're going to get God's word in your heart. And you're going to continually speak it out of your mouth. And if you'll speak, and like that little lady, keep on speaking. And not turn from the right to the left. You will have the benefits of God's word in your life. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, we invite you to make that decision today. Or if you're just searching for the next step that God has for you, visit our website at cwcirvinky.com. There you'll find resources to help you with your specific needs. If this ministry has touched your life in any way, send us an email at connect at cwcirvinky.com and take a minute to share your story with us. We would love to hear from you about how God has changed your life. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that God would continue to bless you throughout the rest of your week.